So we finished Sermon on the Mount, and we're about to start Philippians, but I want another week to prepare for that because I want to do a brief introduction to the book. And I think it's going to be a good book for us to go through as I've been, say as I've been reading through it. Um, I've never taught through Philippians before, but the, uh, I would say probably the dominating theme is either joy or encouragement. And so we're, we're, we've decided to take joy and, and, and talk about finding the, the, riches of, the riches of joy in the depths of Christ, because that seems to be what's happening in the book of Philippians, is, is, is this church, as Paul's writing to them, as he's interacting with them, is that he's encouraging, admonishing, and uh, just exhorting them to find their joy in Jesus and that there's so much there, and there's so many riches, whether it's suffering. I mean, Paul's in prison, and he's, he's suffering, literally suffering for Christ, and saying, I consider these things joy. So we'll, uh, we'll get to that next week, Lord willing. But what I, what I want to do for today is circle back to something that we discussed January 29th, 2017. Who remembers? <laughs> um, I want to talk about community. I want to talk about body life of the local church. These things are always good to talk about. Uh, I went back and studied what I presented to you some time ago, and I've modified that as I've thought more about it. But you really can't put a price tag on how important community is, how important body life is, how important one anothering is. You know, and I just want to say it, it encourages me to no end when, when um, and I hope, I hope I'm not incorrect in, in this, but when I was having a conversation with Catherine, and Catherine is saying that she wants to hang out with Kelly, you know, she wants to reach out to Kelly and talk to Kelly or, or whatever, you know, and she wants to build a friendship there, you know, uh, or, or, you know or, or anybody else. If I'm saying, okay, if someone's like, okay, we've had these people over to our house for dinner, you know, uh, or, or anything, you know, we even, some of us guys, we even, Invited our brother Evan to watch the Princess Bride, which he which he mocked and scoffed the whole time, right? Which makes me think he might not be in Christ. I'm just saying. Uh, anyway, anyway. Um, but those things encourage me. It encourages me when when people when friendships are developing, literal friendships are developing within our very small body is very encouraging to me because I start to see community life. And it's, it's great. It's, it's really fantastic. Can you just, I know that there are churches where people will drive 45 minutes, maybe an hour, you know, uh, to, to, to go and attend. I was, I was talking to a family one time who drove about 45 minutes to an hour in Birmingham or to Birmingham. They were living in Alabama to go to David Platt's church. You know, David Platt is a fantastic communicator and I would love to sit under David Platt but not to drive 50 minutes because the question is, what kind of community do you think that those people who make that drive, what kind of community do they have with those people, with that family that's so, so far away or with that church body that's so far away? And people do that, and that's fine. If you wanna drive a long distance, absolutely. I encourage folks, try to live in an area that you're sharing life with people. Be a part of a local body where you can literally share life with them that doesn't cost you a tank of gas every time you go to be with the gathering or go to be with a body. 
So community really, really matters. And I want to make an argument for community today. I want to make an argument for body life. And we're going to jump through several different texts as I just make this argument. And this is going to come up every year or something like that. We're going to need to talk about these things, you know, because community is such a, is so central to the local church, because I think that's the biblical paradigm. I think that's what, when Paul's writing these epistles, I think he has community in mind. You know, when he speaks in language of one anothering each other, there's definitely community that's in mind. You know, so these things really, really matter. I mean, our society has parad- uh, paradigms that are community. Societal paradigms of community are normative. Now, let me give you some examples. Fraternities, right? Maybe there's a lot of reasons that people join fraternities, but I would say one of those reasons, probably the overarching reason, is because of the brotherhood there, right? Anybody who served in armed forces, I think Aaron would say, there's definitely a brotherhood that's there. That's an attractive part of serving in the armed forces. There is a brotherhood that develops there. If you didn't have it before, you most certainly have it when you come out. I like watching stories of soldiers and they talk about what it's like to be over there because unless you've been there, we don't, we don't know. I don't have the perspective. I can't even pretend. I know some, it can be bad, but I don't know, right? But watching these soldiers talk about the camaraderie that they have, whether they're together watching The Little Mermaid because it lifts morale or, or, whether they're, or, or whether they're playing cards or something or just goofing off, having fun, wrestling, doing whatever dudes do, right? Or whatever girls do. They're just enjoying being there together. There's a brotherhood there. There's a, there's a, there's a community or a, communi- a communal paradigm that's working there. It's in fraternities, it's in sororities. Team sports. I mean, think about this. When I go watch my son play ball when he was playing ball, I would gather with a bunch of other people sitting in the bleachers. And we'd watch a team on the field working together in a small community to play the game, right? So reality shows, they're super popular. What happens? You put people together and say, live in a community together. And there's drama and it's attractive to us, right? We can't turn away from it because what is happening in community, and it's no different than the local church. I mean, I don't wanna pretend that there's no drama in the local church. There's gonna be drama, there's gonna be that. You're gonna wanna hit each other, punch each other, fight each other, all that fun stuff, you know. If we could all take our energies towards Joey, that would work out well, okay? The scapegoat, all right? So, yeah, he, 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 he can, he can until he can't. So, team sports reality shows, gangs, Is that not a societal paradigm? Gangs, there's a brotherhood there. I've talked to a lot of people that have been in gangs over my life, not that I've gone into prison systems and talked to folk, but I've known several people that have been in gangs, you know, and there's a a brotherhood there. You know, there's something that is appealing, something that is attractive, even though it's not a good brotherhood, it's still a brotherhood, it's still a community. I think we're designed for community, and I think that design manifests itself. I think it plays itself out. What our natural inclination is, it often lands in bad places, right? (laughs) Country club memberships, social clubs. uh, I mentioned military. There's all kinds of these communal paradigms that we see. There's the natural rhythms of our lives that lends themselves to community. It's a basic human paradigm. We go to parties, right, where there's what? people. Do you call a party a party if it's just one person? I'm going to a party. Really? Who's going to be there? Just me. (laughs) You might call it a party. You hang out by yourself. That's fine. You know, I'll go in my room and and have chocolate and, and, and popcorn and watch Princess Bride by myself. And it's a party. You know, it's not community, but it's a party, right? So we go to parties and get togethers. We start families. We get married. 
That's community. It's tough community, but it's community, right? I think Antoine and, 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 and Lysandra have 17 children. There's a community, right? There's a lot of them, right? That's a small portion of who they are today. You thought the elders had a lot of kids. Wait until they all show up, right? There's so many of them. So we start families. We have friendships. You know, I think of Evan, and there's going to be a lot of personal applications. So <laughs> uh, Evan's very social. He likes to, to, to be in the middle of, he likes community, am I right? Yeah, he's, he's a very social person. I think, I think his natural tendency is, is how God designed. Some people aren't as comfortable with that, that's fine, but I think we're designed for community. We have families, we have friendships. We're on social media, social media. Ladies, maybe not now, you go to the bathroom together, right? So this is a communal experience. At least, at least it was in the youth days. Okay, not, not saying that's of you now, but in my youth days, I watched the gaggle of ladies walk down. The, I'm like, what are, what are they going? They're all going. All 15 of them going to the same bathroom. I know there's not that many potties in that, in that place. What's happening in there? And it's a mystery to guys. And I know I'm chasing a small rabbit, but just know it's forever burned in us, a mystery. What happens behind that door? It's none of our business. I readily admit, but it is a mystery nonetheless. It's communal. Watching certain movies with groups are often better than watching movies by yourself. If you've ever seen Monty Python, The Quest for the Holy Grail, that's one of those movies that they say, you gotta be with people to watch it. It requires community to enjoy the movie, so to speak. We sit in bleachers with other parents. I've already used that example no matter what the sport is, doesn't have to be a sport, no matter what the hobby is, no matter what's going on, we sit and we watch communities. Travis and I are performing, the headliners, we're performing in the daddy-daughter dance in a couple of weeks. There's a community of us dads that are there out of shape, quasi-fat, and, uh, and dancing with our little girls, and it's something. But there's not just secular community. It's not just that they're in our natural rhythms, but the Bible argues for these things. There are biblical, there's biblical community. If you go back to the very beginning, not even the beginning, if you go to eternity past, what do you see? The Trinity. God wasn't alone. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Perfectly content with infinite and absolute joy amongst the Godhead. There's a community there. Now, I'm not a modalist. I'm not saying, uh, I'm saying God is one, I'm not saying he's, 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 he's three and not one. I'm saying he's three in one. So there's community there between the first, second, and third person of the triune Godhead. God made Eve, and what did he say to Adam when he made Eve? He said, I'm gonna make this woman, I'm gonna build this woman, I'm gonna construct this woman for you. Why? Because it's not good that you are alone. Why? Because I've designed you for community. Most importantly, he's designed people for community with himself, Right? There's a biblical paradigm there. God leads Israel through with Moses, using Moses, leading Israel through the wilderness. There's a whole community of people coexisting, living together. Listen to a, what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. He says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And, through, and, through, and though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. There's an aspect of community in the biblical language, right? It's just better that there are two, better that there are three. Jesus had community with his disciples. 
the local church is established in the book of Acts if, if it wasn't already established with Jesus and, and the 12, which is an argument that I won't entertain right now, but we see the local church being born and it comes to light in the book of Acts. And so you see in Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, how they're coexisting in community. So there's an undeniable pattern of how churches operate within the body throughout the New Testament. They operate as a community, right? So in community, the Bible gives a certain standard, gives a certain way in which we're to conduct ourselves, and they call it one anothering. This is, this is the common language. And all of these things, if you have a, if you have a list of things that, that, that the Bible's trying to get us at, it's saying do these things one another, do these things together. And this is some of the examples of that. So Romans 12, right? 10 and 16, it says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor and live in harmony with one another. There's a communal aspect there. You need to get along, you need to live in harmony, you need to honor one another. It takes, it takes a community to be able to one another, whether that's a community of two or a community of 200. Ephesians 4, Paul says, be patient, bearing with one another. How do, you, how do you bear with one another in patience without sharing life together? And so that's, listen to that. How, how can you one another if you're on a solo mission? How can you one another? And I don't mean one another in your family, biologically. I mean one another in your family that is the local church because, because that's the context. He doesn't say, go one another with your spouse, go one another with your kids. He says, one another with the body of Christ, specifically with your local church. Ephesians 5, mutual edification through speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Ephesians 5, 21, submission to what? One another. Colossians 3, bear with one another. Colossians 3, again, teach one another, admonish one another. 1 Thessalonians, love and encourage one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, build up each other. And there were about 20 passages that I actually deleted for time's sake, right? So there's all kinds of one anothering that's in the Bible. This is common language. This is a normative language. This is the expectation of the local church. I would say it's the expectation of every home, every household to one another, each other, if, especially if you're in Christ. But this context, these, the, I shared with you epistles. And in these epistles, Paul is saying to the church, you need to one another, each other. But you can only do that if you're in community. So community matters. Otherwise, you can't one another, right? There's a specific design or blueprints or intention for, for body life. Listen to Psalm uh, 133, one, it says, behold, how good and pleasant is it when brothers dwell in unity? It's good. It's a rhetorical question because it's obviously good. To dwell one another in unity is a good thing. And this predates the local church, which shows that Jesus or that God is setting this paradigm up of course, beginning with the Trinity. And this is the intention. This is a thread, I would call it, throughout the entire Bible, really fully manifesting itself in the, in the teachings of the New Testament, specifically the local church. Community matters. Community is designed for a few things specifically. Let me go through this list. Community is designed to provide a context for displaying the gift of God's people for the purpose of God's glory. If you've had a private conversation with me about your interest in Haven Ridge, whether it was two years ago, three years ago, two months ago, I've probably spoken to you about 
us believing that God has given all of us specific giftings. Maybe we don't know what those are in each other's life. Maybe you don't know what those are in your own life. But God has gifted everyone in some way for the edification of the body of Christ. Everybody. Everybody. If you consider yourself to be in Christ, if you legitimately are in Christ, God has gifted you for the purpose of edifying the body of Christ, the local church. Our gifts are meant to edify the church. Ephesians 4, 16. Again, Paul's writing to this church and he says, speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When it's working properly. Look, if my leg's working properly, I can walk. If my leg's not working properly, I'm gonna have a limp or I'm not gonna be able to walk. Paul speaks in this membership language of all the members of our body because they all rely on each other. My hands do something so different than the rest of my body, yet we're all, it's all connected, right? I'm in this habit of saying, right, I gotta break that. I'm sorry about that. So each individual part makes the whole. There's a, there's a beauty in uniqueness. There's a beauty to our uniqueness, and we are very, very, very unique, correct? We're very unique. <laughs> The unique and individual gifting of each of you serves to edify the body as a whole. And I just, let me step away and just, and just say this is, this is so critical. I don't know what all your gifts are, but just if I could just kind of be real conversational and just say, we want to see your gifts utilized. We want to know what those are. If it's, if it's a gift of leadership, if it's a gift of teaching, if it's whatever it is, if you're a great encourager, you know, if you're, if you're a, a super compassionate person, I mean, there are, there are places, and we want to see those things. But guess what? This is not in my notes, but maybe the Lord just gave it to me, so you, so you better listen. Where else will we see those gifts surface or manifest if we're not in community? If we're all kind of lone rangers and doing things ourselves, how are we going to see each other's gifts Community matters. There's a beauty and uniqueness to everybody's gifts. Like an engine that's comprised of parts, and you know that I don't know engines. An engine is comprised of parts that do different things, but all work together to run the vehicle. I know that much. I know that much. I know that you've got belts, and you've got plugs, and you've got filters, and you've got these things and those things. And there are certain things you can take out, and the vehicle won't run or it won't run properly. Because all these things doing something completely individual and completely separate are at the same time working together. They're working as a unit to, to achieve a certain end. And that's the way that I look at the giftings of the local church. That's the way I look at the significance behind community. Is that all these things need to surface so that we can properly function. Because that's how God designed the church to function. Through the edification of the body, through the saints, the saints working out the gifting God has given them for the purpose of God's glory. So community is designed for our gifts to be displayed for the glory of God and for the edification of the church, but community is also designed to foster accountability. It's huge. Accountability, servanthood, and one anothering exists inside body life. Where there is no body life, there is no community. Where there is no community, there is no accountability. Where there is no accountability, 
there is unchecked, unchallenged, sinful conduct. How easy do you think it would be to hide your sin if you are in a healthy, thriving community? It would be much more difficult to hide your sin if you're in community than if you're going at it alone. I'm, I'm hoping that those like, 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 like the Snipes ladies here who are, who are going through what they're going through with the loss of their father, I'm hoping that community shows itself in a positive way, that community says, you know what, we're gonna rally around you we're going to support you, which is, I think they did that with Melanie. And so many people here have gone through things already. Mark is going to have a surgery pretty soon. And hopefully community will show itself in that it rallies around Mark through prayer and through encouragement and all of these things. Someone here might have the gift of encouragement. It is listed as a gift. And it might be you that God says, go talk to Mark and encourage him. Encourage him about the surgery. Encourage Mark not to uh, sacrifice one of these goats for milk or for, or not for milk, but for meat, you know, because uh, he does have goats now that, that uh, his wife has pushed for so long. So there's accountability in community. This is why this is, this is you know, is, there's church discipline, right? Community is designed to display the gospel. The unity of marriage is an expression of the gospel, so also the unity within the church is the expression of the gospel. And it's the expression of the gospel bringing together those who do not otherwise belong. Now, at full strength, which doesn't seem to happen very often at Haven Ridge, but at full strength, when everybody's here, if you look out at everybody, you see that we're very, very different. We have like Ukrainians. We have, you know, we have a Puerto Rican. I mean, we have all kinds of stuff, you know. We have big bearded guys. We have really handsome guys like myself. We have just a ton of folks, right, that are very, very, very different. And it's such a picture of the gospel. And you only see that picture with community. If you're always and only alone, what's the comparison? How are we gonna see the gospel? How are we gonna see how the gospel has unified something that is otherwise a stranger in this world or a stranger to our world? Consider how different all of us are, but that which unites us together is the gospel. Here's some examples. Charlie's not in here. It seems like when I wanna make a joke about Charlie, he's always helping the kids. <sighs> he's, he's got, oh, I will, oh, I will. Here it comes. We have a seven-foot-tall chemist, all right, <laughs> you know, who, who, who has a dry wit, who boasts in beaker stirring. <laughs> That's strange, you know? It's strange. Who, for some reason, likes to take Dennis and make sport of Dennis, and that's enjoyable, but, but it's different, right? We have Dennis. That's different. Just in and of itself, Benjamin and Mary are gamers. I'm not a huge gamer. I enjoy a good game from time to time, but they're gamers. They're gamers, right? They can play these games that take hours and hours and hours, and I don't have the bandwidth for something like that, but they're different. They're different. The Coffins have a horse living in their house. That's different. <laughs> they have a Great Dane, for those of you that don't know. That's different for me. You know, it, 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 Evan is a salesman, and nobody trusts a salesman. That's, that's, nobody trusts a salesman. That's different, right? It's different. We have different people. Travis has tattoos. He drives a Harley, and he rode bulls in another life, okay, in his younger days. What in the world would connect me to Travis Grove? Nothing. I don't care about bulls, let alone getting on one, just so that it can try to hurt me. I didn't care years ago about Harleys, about motorcycles, 
I'm not a, I like motorcycles now, right? But, 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 but beforehand, there was nothing there, you know? Um, it's, a, it's weird, because there's so many people that are so different than Travis. I may have tattoos and stuff, and I drive a motorcycle now, but some of you are very different from Travis. We're different. What in the world would compel us to be together and have community? It's the gospel. The one thing that matters that actually unites us we have someone who spent a year of his life almost hand-digging his basement and crawl space. I'm extremely athletic and handsome, and that's very different to most of you other men. I'm saying all this because it's recorded, and I want the internet world to laugh. So community is designed to display the gospel. The point is we're all so very different. We're teachers. We build tires. We are carpenters. Uh, you know, we just spend our days swimming in a pool. You know, we're, we're, you know, we're students, we're electricians, you know, we're, we're, we're military, salesmen. You know, we're so different. And yet the gospel unifies us. And that's the only explanation. It's the only explanation that I, I do for the most part. I just gotta be open and honest. I do for the most part really enjoy hanging out with everybody here. We're very different Sometimes we don't have much in common, but we do have what matters in common, and that's, and that's the gospel. That's why. That's the essence and the heart of true community because ultimately it's designed to display the gospel. Community is designed to strengthen the gathered church so that she can become the scattered church. So there's a strengthening aspect that happens when we enjoy community so that when we necessarily go out to become isolationist for a season, that we're fueled, that we're strengthened, that we're encouraged because we come back from that journey, we come back from that, that moment of isolation and we need the community, we need the encouragement. You know, maybe you've been on the job, maybe, you know, maybe you're like Josh Kaufman was and he's on the road so much driving his truck. You know, I mean, he's here every, every other Sunday now but, and that's so much better than when, it was, when he was just gone all the time. You know, he needed community when community was there for him to have. He needed it because he's by himself so much, and that's not healthy for anybody ever. So community is designed to strengthen the gathered church to be the scattered church. There's no place for dualism. There's no place for dualistic tendencies, and what I mean by that is there's no place for saying, you know what, I'm the church on Sundays, but I'm just me on all other days. You are the church. You're a part of the church. So you can't treat your life as though you're one way here and another way there. You cannot be the church when you're away from the gathered church. Well, you must be the church when you're away from the gathered church. There's some dangers. There's some dangers to community. So here's the dangers. Here's what poses a threat to community. I like to read, although I don't read a lot of him, I like to read of Diedrich Bonhoeffer. If you don't read much of him, you should. If I'm not mistaken, this is, this is, this is a little bit of history that I haven't read in a long time, but I believe that he was a part of Operation Valkyrie, the plan to assassinate Hitler. I believe that. So it's pretty fascinating to read of him. Strong Christian, wrote prolifically, wrote of things on community that are just mind-blowing. And here's some of his thoughts that I read and I thought this is so impressive and just kind of, it really cuts to the quick. So there's some things I will read, some things I will throw in that I've been thinking or that I thought at that time and uh, we'll work through that for just a second. Bonhoeffer says, Christian community must not be based on 
the ideal of community. And here's one of the dangers to, com to community, idealism. Idealism is one of the dangers to community. Bonhoeffer says, someone who wants more than what Christ has established does not want Christian brotherhood. He does not want biblical, the biblical paradigm of community. He is looking for some extraordinary social experience that he has found elsewhere. And let me break that down for you. This means this. Those who cannot find satisfaction in the biblical paradigm, i.e. the local church, those who can't find contentment and satisfaction the way God designed community to be, meaningful, profitable community, as it edifies the body of Christ, that person tends to make an idol out of their preferences. Maybe you've gone somewhere else and you have an idea of this is what I want these things to look like. This is what I want community to look like. But you might have a communal experience that is outside of the borders of what God said is true community. And for time's sake, I won't go into all the, all the explanations of that, but, but, but say you go to a worship service and what you like of a worship service is maybe they started out with a secular song. Maybe they started out with something like that. Maybe they do that. Maybe, maybe they start the service out with, with dad jokes. Maybe they got two dads that stand there, two dudes that stand there, and they just want to say dad jokes. You know, we just want to get a laugh for the first 30 minutes. And that's, that's okay, great, whatever. You experience that and you say, that's a biblical paradigm of community. And when it's not, necessarily, but that's just an example. And then you go somewhere else and you say, well, I have to have that even though that's an extra biblical paradigm, that's not necessarily what the scriptures say. So you have to be careful because those who cannot find satisfaction in the biblical paradigm for community tend to make an idol out of those preferences. So idealism is a big deal. Consumerism, I would say, is a larger issue. This is to pursue that which is most advantageous for you. Do you accept a community based on whether or not it fits your definition. Well, this is kind of idealism too. Do you, do you want to get a certain something out of it? And therefore you say, unless I can get that, I reject that. So idealism is in there as well. Preferences are in there as well. And you have to be very careful with a consumeristic mentality of saying, you know what? I wanna be a part of something that's the most beneficial, most advantageous for me. And I wanna be careful with that language because if I have true community, if I go to a place, if we're a part as Haven Ridge, if we have true community where there's exhortations, admonishments to one another, where there's encouragements, where there's laughs, where there's all these great things, this is good. This is beneficial for me. This is advantageous for me. But if I'm, if I'm, you know, if I'm placing what I believe to be advantageous somewhere in the realm of extra biblical preferences and expectations, then I'm a consumer. I've got a problem. I'm an idealist, and there's problems there. So idealism, consumerism, our issues, a consumer takes and never gives. One of the major frustrations with pastors is that it seems like you always have the same people doing the same things. I don't necessarily think that's a problem at Haven Ridge, but it's a problem everywhere. It is, it's a problem everywhere. There are those who serve and you can count on them and then there's those who let everybody else serve because they are consumers. I'll use a strong word. Those people can easily fall into the camp of... Um, freeloaders, when you just, you want to take, you don't want to give. So we get back to this whole gifting situation, right? What are your gifts to give? What are your gifts for the body? Your gifting is not to just consume. Your gifting is not to be a consumer. Your gifting must be in some way to edify the body so that you are a giver, giver of your gifts that God has given you for the purpose of his glory. 
So consumerism is a big deal. Idealism is a big deal. Individualism is a big deal. Individualism is both essential and detrimental to the body life of the church. Being individualistic is a personality issue. It's, it's okay. If you're a private person, if you're a quiet person, if you're more comfortable just being at home, being in a homebody, that's absolutely fine. I'm not condemning that at all. I get that. That's, that's how God made you, and that is fine. We have to be careful, though, because being individualistic, being a loner, can determine your preferences. For example, I like to be home. I would just prefer not to be with anybody. Therefore, I'm going to exclude myself from all kinds of things because I don't want to be around people because that's your preference. Your personality dictates your preference. The danger is when our preferences, again, hinder our position. And what's your position? Your position is a follower of Christ whom he has rescued from darkness and brought into the kingdom of his beloved son. And he has placed you in a local church. And he has gifted you to edify the local church and for the purpose of his glory. But when we're individualistic, we don't tend to do that. We don't tend to pour out our giftings. Because I don't think the gifting necessarily means you are a gift to yourself. So the best place for that to manifest is by yourself. Our positions as Christians is being a part of the body of Christ. The body by nature has many parts. You are a part of the body of Christ. And you have been given a gifting for the purpose of his glory. So is it bad to be alone? This is more of Bonhoeffer's thoughts here. Is it bad to be alone? Not necessarily, but yes, necessarily. It's bad not to be alone if you can't, what's the, let me just read this before I confuse myself. It is bad to be alone, but it is also bad to not be able to be alone. There we go, there we go. It is bad to be alone, but it is also bad to not be able to be alone with Christ. And what I mean there, there are people that, I don't think Evan's in this camp, but I think of Evan because he likes community. He likes people, he's a social, he's a social guy. You know, he's a fun guy, right? So, so but there are people, maybe not Evan, but there are people that thrive so much off of community that they replace Jesus with community. It's like, Jesus is my community. There's no, there's no personal type of relationship. There's no personal pursuit of Christ in, in, in the quiet places. When things have settled down, when the dust settles, when everything is dark and quiet, what is your pursuit then? Is it waiting on the edge of your seat to be in the social arena again because that's where you're most comfortable. I mean, it's, it's contrary to the person that's most comfortable alone. Because there's a problem with aloneness, but there's a problem with those who can't be alone. Someone who clings to community without being able to experience the sufficiency of Christ in aloneness will substitute Jesus for the group. They will substitute Jesus for the group. Let me give you an example. So let's say you're missional communities. If you are someone, or if I am someone, who looks forward to our missional communities, looks forward to getting together with folks, having conversations, talking about the Bible, challenging each other, you know, uh, all these fun things. 
and you're, you're there. And that's your moment where you shine. You like to talk about the spiritual things there. You like to talk about the Bible. You like to hear people's story and respond and you like to interact in those ways. And you, you, you're filled up and you thrive off of that. That is a good thing. But if there's no effort on your part at home and there's no comfortableness of, on your part at home in pursuing Jesus and, and, and making yourself so accessible to him and vulnerable to him, you might be a person that has replaced Jesus with the community. And there's a danger in that. Let him who is not in the community, this is Bonhoeffer, be weary of being alone. An independent, an independent spirit that needs no one and prefers self-reliance to radical reliance on the body of Christ is a spirit that is in danger. Let me reread that to you. Let him who is not in community be weary of being alone. An independent spirit that needs no one and prefers self-reliance to radical reliance on the body of Christ is a spirit that is in danger. Only in fellowship do we learn to be rightly alone and only in aloneness do we learn to live in fellowship. Let me read that second part to you again. Only in fellowship do we learn to be rightly alone. And only in aloneness do we learn to live in fellowship. I love Bonhoeffer. I love the way he thinks. I think it's, I think it's beautiful. I think he, he, he just captures this paradigm, this construct so well. And it's so challenging to me. But individualism, idealism, consumerism, these aren't the only problems that face, uh, pose a threat to community. But the final one here is mutuality. This is being in community with one another because it mutually benefits the two or more of you. This is being in community with one another because it mutually benefits the two or more of you. This is community not mediated by Christ. Your purpose is to get the mutual benefit of one another. Two things will happen if this is the reason for community, if this is your motive. It will exclude others who are not mutually beneficial to you. In other words, if you go to community and like all people, you gravitate towards someone that is most like you, that's someone that you can most benefit from, that has a mutual interest or is mutually beneficial, someone that is advantageous for you and you in turn are advantageous for them, if that's the only reason you go, what happens to those who are not beneficial for you or to you in your life? What about those? Right? What if you're the person in your group that really swings the biggest spiritual stick? And what if there's no one in there that's mutually beneficial to you? Or let's say there is one other person that's mutually beneficial to you. Consider a leader, maybe not of Haven Ridge, but any leader that is in a group with lay people that may not know the Bible at all. What if their approach to community was with this mutuality? Well, I'm only gonna be a part of something that's mutually beneficial for me in terms of I have a lot to offer theologically, but I will only be a part if someone else has something to offer me. That's an improper view, I think, of iron sharpening iron, but I think some hold it. So mutuality plays a big threat. So one of the dangers, one of the things that will happen if mutuality is what we're given to is that it will exclude others who may not, or who are not mutually beneficial to us. And the other thing it will do, it will fail over time as we lose attractiveness and mutual benefit between one another. If for you going to a group, it's because of the mutual benefit that exists there, at some point, that person might not be viewed as mutually beneficial to you. 
At point, at some point, they might become obsolete to you. And then what do you do? If your motives were based on mutuality and that falls, most likely you will as well. Because we've had community for the wrong reasons. So here's a practical outworking of body life. What is Haven Ridge doing to, fo- to follow the biblical blueprints of body life and community? We have now two trellises. We used to speak of three. Well, we do have three, but they're shown in two. We have our gathering. The gathering provides a context to follow the biblical model. And we have our missional communities where biblical discipleship, where accountability, where exhortation, admonishment, and where disciple making happens. And disciple modeling happens. I would argue that you're designed for community. And community is something that Austin and I we really want to push for at Haven Ridge. We really want people to be involved with each other's lives in ways that matter so much so that the giftings that God has given each one of us will benefit all of us, will be advantageous to all of us for the purpose of edification of the body. You were designed for, the, for community, so to deny that, I believe, is destructive for you and potentially destructive for the local church to whom you belong. If God has placed you here, he is intended for your gifting to edify his church. And so may we all consider the gift that we have of community. Let's pray together and we'll be dismissed. Father, I pray this morning that when we have opportunity to be in community with one another, that that we would take it. Lord, if it's not even that often, Lord, that we would, that we would take those opportunities to do that. Well, this sermon is, is applying to every single one of us. Lord, that we might be faithful to Haven Ridge. Lord, that we might be faithful. And when I say that, I mean faithful to one another, therefore faithful to you. May we make good practice of the one anothering that's shown so many times in the New Testament. May we do those things, Lord, and may we reap the benefits of obedience to the word. May we reap the benefits of recognizing and applying the biblical paradigm that you've given us. Lord, it's such a, it's such a beautiful thing, Lord. I love community. I love community. Lord, if I need something, I need, I need satisfaction in my aloneness because I, I love people and I love groups. Sometimes I don't know what to do with myself, God, and you know this when I'm, when I'm by myself. Lord, so give me a greater discipline than I have in my aloneness. Lord, because I never want to sacrifice you on the altar of community. So, Lord, please protect me and protect others in that way. Lord, there, there are others in this room that, Lord, that, that, that maybe, maybe their struggle is community and not aloneness. Lord, I, well, that represents a lot of us, I know. And, Lord, I pray that, that you would work with them through that. Lord, wherever you need to make them comfortable, I pray that you would make them comfortable, Lord. I pray that if the enemy in any way is lying to them and changing reality, Lord, I pray that, 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 you, would, that you would protect their minds from, from the deceit of the enemy. Lord, I pray that at the end of all things that all of our giftings will be made manifest in this local church. Lord, it will be edifying for our body and glorifying for you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.